Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Earlier this month, Leah Thomas won America's top trophy in university sports in swimming. Swam to victory in the women's 500-yard freestyle race, competed in other races. The first openly transgender athlete to win that top prize. But it raises some interesting questions. Is there an inherent advantage to being born biologically male? What is the basis for having separate men and women's competition in sports? And how do transgender athletes fit into that? So there's some interesting dilemmas for sporting organizations and associations to deal with here. Leah Thomas had previously competed in swimming as a male, was allowed to compete with a female, and won quite handily, which raised some questions from other competitors about fairness. How do we measure fairness in this conversation? How do associations and organizations grapple with all of this? No less a figure than Caitlyn Jenner, of course, who previously competed as a male in the 1976 men's Olympic decathlon, said, quote, no, it wasn't fair. It's not a fair fight. But went on to say, but she played by the rules. So were the rules the problem here? Joining us uh, to talk more about some of the dilemmas for sporting organizations and where we might find some compromise, very pleased to welcome to the program here this afternoon, Dr. John Pike, Senior Lecturer in Philosophy at Open University in the UK, former chair of the British Philosophy of Sport Association, and co-authored an important paper on these issues called Fair Game. You can read at mcdonaldlaurier.ca. Dr. Pike, great to have you with us here today. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Rob. Good to speak to you again. All right, so for people not familiar with the Leah Thomas saga, what, what do people need to know about this story, first of all? So Leah Thomas competed, um, she's at Penn University, um, and competed as a male swimmer, um, then took time out, uh, took hormone-suppressing, testosterone-suppressing treatment, and then competed in the female category um, uh, with quite an amount of success, was very fast. Um, as a as a female swimmer, um, mediocre as a male swimmer. Mm-hmm. But when the times translate across, uh, although there was some reduction in uh, Thomas's times, there was uh, the ranking. She uh, she went up the rankings by hundreds of positions and took the NCAA title in the five hundred yard freestyle. Um, it's pretty clear, I think, to everyone that this was partly because of the advantage of being born male. Um, and that advantage was not removed by the treatment that Thomas under, underwent. What's your understanding then of what the NCAA standards are and how do they compare to the standards in, in other sporting organizations and sporting bodies about allowing uh, transgender individuals to, to compete this way? Well, the NCAA um, rules are slack um, and they're not as uh, rigorous as some other sporting organizations. But I don't think any sporting organization has got this quite right yet. Um, so one of the better organizations you might think is uh, World Athletics. The best organization that really has grappled with this is World Rugby. Um, and what I think people have 
they've, they've gone down a path that is is not a good path to go down of thinking that testosterone suppression uh, will remove male biological advantage. And we know from the science that it won't. Um, if you don't get rid of male advantage, if you have residual male advantage for trans women, then it seems to me that it's not fair for them to compete in female sport. Um, it's a fairly straightforward question in the end, because I think that it's unfair for people who are male-bodied and have male advantage to compete in female sport. And the reason for thinking that that's the case is that female sport is about giving women equal opportunity to compete for sporting success without uh, the presence of competitors with male advantage. Mm -hmm. Now, women can't access, females can't access uh, male advantage. They can't access, you can't make your um, pelvis narrower. Uh, you can't get the muscle density that uh, males have, that all males have. And so there, there, there are sort of physiological advantages that are closed off um, for, for female humans, adult human females. That's what I mean by women here. And so it's simply not fair. If you have a class of uh, female sports, sports people to have male-bodied sports people in that class. It's interesting, too, because swimming alongside Leah Thomas, it was in the, uh, the 100 freestyle final, was a swimmer by the name of Isaac Hennig. Isaac Hennig is a transgender yeah. male, swims, uh, at, I think, out of Yale University, and yet was still eligible to compete in the women's competition. So it's, is that a double standard? What, what do we make of that? Well, I think I've got no problem with Isaac Hennig swimming in the female category. Um, because although Isaac Hennig's gender identity is male, um, they have a female body, they don't have male physiological advantages. Um, if you like, the best way to think about this is that it's asymmetrical, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's unbalanced. The, the, the issues surrounding trans men competing in male, uh, male, the male category and trans women competing in the female category are fundamentally different because what you've got is this consistent male advantage across the two categories. That's why it's important that the female category is closed to females, uh, but the male category can be open. And that's what I've argued in the um, McDonald-Laurier Institute paper that, that you mentioned earlier. Well, so and, yeah. opening up the, the male category. So Isaac Hennig could, could swim in that category as well, as far as, as far as I'm concerned. And certainly if they took testosterone supplementation, then they would have to swim in that category. But that's because of the anti-doping regulations mm -hmm. rather than a matter of sex categorization. Well, the reaction has, has been quite something. And I think there, there were those who want to be supportive of, of Leah Thomas. And, and, and at some level, I think we can all understand and sympathize with, with that uh, to, to support Leah Thomas and, and what they're going through and uh, to, to support their identity. But at the same time, recognizing the realities of these sorts of competitions. It was a letter from a group of swimmers at the University of Arizona uh, saying that the NCAA had successfully failed everyone. Uh, by allowing yes. Thomas to compete. So there, there was also a lot of frustration uh, amongst uh, amongst competitors and, and observers as well. 
Yes, and I think that was a powerful letter, and I had a great deal of sympathy with the the Arizona swimmers who who penned it. Um, and I think you're right that we can all be and all want to be kind of socially supportive of people who make the decision to transition. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a different um, matter, though. Um, this is a matter of fairness in sport, and there are other contexts like sport, such as uh, prisons, rape crisis centres, where specific context-dependent values uh, are are important and relevant. So in sport, it's sporting fairness. And sporting fairness is about bodies. And bodies come in roughly two varieties, male and female. I say roughly to cut a long story short, but in two varieties and competition in sport and fair competition in sport needs to take um, cognizance of that, needs to recognise that fact. And it means that you can't just slip across categories on the basis of an inner sense of how you feel on on a basis of your gender identity. There are lots of things you can do, socially speaking. Um, We don't worry about how people dress or what their their names are or their pronouns are generally. It it doesn't make a huge, great difference to other people's lives. But in sport, because bodies matter and because sex bodies matter, we have to say, this isn't quite right, it doesn't quite work. And I think the demands of tra- some trans people, uh, and by no means all, but some trans people um, push reality away um, in a way that is actually damaging to the interests of other groups of people. And in this case, very obviously, damaging to the interests of female swimmers, not only at Arizona, not only in the NCAA, but all the way through, because these things ripple out and have bad effects on participation and fairness, and in some cases, safety in competition, all the way through sport. Which are issues that cannot be ignored. Uh, There are, of course, political and social considerations, and and I think these organizations are sensitive to that, right? The idea that, that somebody is female with an asterisk is seen to almost be denying their identity, and that takes on political connotation. So that, that certainly uh, affects this this conversation, doesn't it? It does, but we have to we have to see certain values as important and certain competing rights as important. In the end, there's going to likely to be a some sort of messy compromise here. Um, and I I advocate one sort of messy compromise, which is the female open um, categories, which in fact maybe isn't such a compromise for anyone. It just means that trans people do not get their gender identity affirmed in sports, but they don't get it, trans women don't get it denied either. Um, If you have an open category, you say anyone can enter this one, anyone can enter this category regardless of your your gender identity. So we're not, uh, the the point is not to ask people or question people about their gender identity. It is though to preserve sport for women 
as sport for people who do not have male physiological advantages. I think that's important if we are to have equal opportunities for, for women. Um, I worry, yes, there is a, a social and a political uh, climate here, but I think, social, uh, I, th I think that fair sport for women is a political and social priority. Mm -hmm. um, and it shouldn't be forgotten, and it is being forgotten in this. This looks like, uh, for some trans advocates, it's thought that this, this change in sport is um, has zero costs. It doesn't. It has real costs for real people who are being uh, bumped off the podium, bumped out of finals, uh, their, their sporting endeavor and their sporting um, achievements are being downgraded. And this is a real harm. Um, it's a harm for people who are interested and care about sport. Maybe some people aren't interested, don't care about sport. But if that's the case, I'm not sure what uh, what stake they have in in this in this regulation. Sporting organisations need to get this right. This isn't Leah Thomas's fault, right? Directly, it's important that the rule makers get this right and recognise the real harms that are being done to women. Well, it almost feels like there's an urgency of sorts to to some sort of a, a compromise here because maybe we see the pendulum swing the other way and there, there are jurisdictions in the United States, for example, uh, that are looking at legislation uh, to, to basically impose on sports to, to take a more firm stance with regard to transgender athletes. And I don't know if that's the best way to resolve this either. What, what do you make of um, you know where we're at in terms of if organizations aren't going to deal with this, we may see lawmakers in some places do so. Yes, I think that's. I think you're right that the imperative now falls on sports organisations to get this right, and so far they haven't. I mean, I think they've been uh, slow, and I think they've been backward in seeing the real difficulties posed by uh, just straightforwardly incorporating trans women into female into the female category of sport without thinking through the science and without thinking through the implications for women athletes and without understanding sporting fairness properly. Um, I think they've got the wrong model in their minds. They think this is something like the battle against uh, racism or homophobia, right. uh, where there is a tide of history on one side and it's important to be on the right side of history. This is more complicated than that and more difficult I don't think sports organisations recognise that. Um, I do think, though, that women's rights are not something that falls to the right and falls to the Conservatives to protect. I think this is an issue that uh, liberals and progressive people need to take seriously because there is real damage being done to women's rights, uh, particularly in this case by the incorporation to, to, to the rights of uh, women athletes who are being pushed aside by the incorporation of uh, trans women into, into female sports. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.